0: Five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside You. I'm your host, Xavier Audick, and let's talk about the biggest weekend of college football so far. This past weekend, week three of the college football season, saw more teams upset than any other. So let's get started right away with our usual I was right and I was wrong. I was right that Boston College was going to beat Wake Forest. In a very messy, sloppy game with a impending Hurricane Florence, the Eagles were able to get the job done. AJ Dillon continues to look impressive. Should be interesting to see what Boston College is able to do in the ACC this year with so many other teams looking unimpressive. I was wrong that Auburn was going to beat LSU. Not a pretty game by any means. Joe Burrow has continued to do ex- just enough to get the job done and when they needed him, Tracy Cole came through. Excuse me, Cole Tracy came through for the Tigers. I was right that Alabama was going to beat Ole Miss. Just if you're wondering how good Alabama is right now, Ole Miss has one of the top wide receiver cores in the nation, and they were able to stop the Rebels' offense from scoring more than one touchdown. I was wrong that Utah was going to beat Washington. Washington continues to look like the best team in the Pac-12 right now. The rest of the Pac-12 did not have a great weekend, finishing one and seven. Unfortunately, with Washington's loss to Auburn and Auburn's loss to LSU, it looks like more and more that the Pac-12 be shut out of the playoff for another season, which is unfortunate. I was right that Texas was going to beat Stanford. This was a game where I think across the board you had a lot of nervous Texas fans going into this game. Certainly, they were starting to call into question whether Tom Herman was the right guy to lead that job. But against a decent USC team, even with him coming off that loss to Stanford last week, the Longhorns got the job done across the board. Sam Erlinger looked great coming into his own. He had two touchdowns. He ran for another one. They held one of the most prolific offenses in the country to only 14 points. They roughed up Trojans starting quarterback JT Daniels and they got the big win that I think they needed before going into Big 12 play. So this was a big win for Tom Herman's team. I was wrong that Boise State was going to beat Oklahoma State with this game. It is now a virtual certainty that UCF should be the group of six team that's going to represent, excuse me, the group of five team that will represent in a New Year six bowl. UCF, unfortunately, though, does not have the schedule that's impressive enough for them to actually make a real run at a playoff spot the another game against a top power not a top power five but a power five program in usc was canceled this last weekend because of hurricane florence and i think at the end of the day you're just going to see the voters go with a another group of solely power five schools good chance that two sec teams get in right now everybody's saying they're thinking it's it'll be alabama and georgia and then I think we'll see the Big 12 team probably be Oklahoma. They're looking very good right now, even with Kyler Murray being out. And then Ohio State looks like that fourth team. So I was right that SDSU was going to beat ASU. Not a great uh not a great step forward for Herm Edwards' team coming off the biggest win that they've had in a long time over Michigan State last weekend. ASU looked listless. Juwan Washington for San Diego State ran for 138 yards. Granted, there was that targeting call at the end of the game, which had it not been called, would have given the Sun Devils a chance to tie it up and go into overtime. But after they reviewed the targeting call and they did, in fact, say it was targeting, they also noted that the catch, the ball wasn't, the catch was not completed. The receiver dropped the ball, which resulted in a turnover on downs and SDSU scoring a big upset win. So I was wrong that Maryland was going to beat Temple. Temple kind of walked into this game disappointing a lot of people. Many people had picked them to win the Amer- their side of the American Conference this year. Maryland had looked very good in a win over Texas. The Terrapins just got rocked by Temple this past weekend, 55-14. to 14. Not a great game for Matt Canada as he continues his bid to replace former head coach DJ Jerkin. It'll be interesting to see what the Terrapins do from here. I was right that Syracuse was going to beat Florida State. I was very happy to see Dino Baber's team get the job done. This was a game that was really about both sides' defenses. For many portions of the game, it was 3-0. Ultimately, Syracuse was able to put up 30 points to FSU's 7. The Seminoles continue to struggle offensively and defensively don't look much better. Syracuse is a good team, not a great team. For them to put up 30 points just shows you the kind of hurdles that Willie Taggart's having to face right now. I have saw a lot of stuff on social media calling for Taggart's firing. Should be interesting to see where they go from here. I think when he came into this job, a lot of people thought that this would be a quick turnaround. He'd come in, have a great first year, and get them back to their championship ways. Right now, it does not look like that it will be happening anytime soon. I've seen people say, oh, the offensive line, the offensive line. Yeah, I understand w- what they're saying in principle, but the reality is FSUs t- on talent alone should never be pushed around by Syracuse's offensive line. FSU's offensive line every year is going to have at least one, if not multiple legitimate NFL prospects. Syracuse's defensive line conversely probably has one NFL prospect and at that probably a stretch unless, you know, you have a guy who just really tears things up for them to get pushed around the way they've done consistently against Syracuse this last weekend, Sanford the week before and Virginia Tech does not bode well for this team. I don't know what Willie Tiger needs to do if it's just a simple matter of a change of line coach, but the Seminoles certainly have a long schedule ahead of them if they continue the course of action they've been on. And uh, of course, I was wrong that Texas te- that Houston was going to beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech 635 yards of total offense. Just an explosive day. Pretty much null. Anytime you put up that much offense, you're going to nullify any impact that Ed Oliver might have. Also, this is probably the game that results in Oliver's bid as a Heisman Trophy candidate being over. So now that we're entering week four, Khalil Tate and Ed Oliver, two players who entered this season with a lot of hype behind them, look like they are gone. Jonathan Taylor also starting to fade out following Wisconsin's upset loss to BYU this last weekend. Uh Will Greer, on the other hand, enjoyed a bye week this week, so he continues to look strong. Also, another player that I've seen get a lot of hype recently is Kyler Murray. Definitely very impressive. I think you could also say that he might even be more impressive than Baker Mayfield was last year, if that you can even believe that. But the pool of Heisman Trophy candidates is certainly starting to narrow itself. Then I was right that South Florida was going to beat Illinois. Obviously, both these teams started off undefeated, but last weekend I saw a South Florida team that was consistently able to show resiliency, to rally around when they needed it, and they got the job done in a huge win for Charlie Strong. If he continues his ways, he may find himself back at a Power 5 destination quicker rather than later. And I was right that North Texas was going to upset Arkansas. If you would missed this game, you should definitely check out the fake fair catch punt return that North Texas pulled off. Very impressive. Basically, the North Texas punt returner approached the ball very slowly, which normally signifies a fair catch, but he never raised his hand to actually signify to the judges, the referees, that it was a fair catch. So he catches the ball. He kind of walks forward, looks around, makes sure there's nobody paying attention, and sprints off untouched for a touchdown. That pretty much sums up the game for the Razorbacks. Not a great start to Chad Morris' his tenure, but he certainly has a serious rebuilding job there. North Texas, a very good team. They've got a great quarterback in Mason Fine. They've already upset SMU this year, and they are going to be a problem for many people in the Conference USA. So that moves us on. One thing I also want to mention about week three was it was certainly all about the kickers. Across the board, we saw games come down to kicking, whether it was LSU kicking the last second field goal to upset Auburn, whether it was BYU making a field goal that they needed. And then Wisconsin kicker missing the field goal that they needed to tie the game and going to overtime. You had Mizzou beat Purdue on a last second field goal. Purdue remember entered the season with a lot of hype. Purdue head coach, Chad Brom was look, being looked at as a legitimate power five head coaching prospect to move up the ladder. Purdue right now, Owen three, not look great. You had Oregon state miss a couple of field goals that they needed to beat Nevada, and then the big story right now, USC's starting kicker Chase McGrath suffered an ACL injury following a block punt in their game against the Longhorns. If I'm USC head coach Clay Helton, I'm very concerned right now. USC's only real piece of offense that was firing these last two weekends was its kicking, and now with starting kicker McGrath out, it certainly could get very nasty for the Trojans. They're going to have a game on Friday this week against a Better than expected Washington State team. And it could get very, very rough for the Trojans going forward. And then obviously from the NFL, the real story that everyone was talking about this last weekend, especially that I w- since I was in Cleveland, Zane Gonzalez missing four field goals, costing the browse another opportunity to finally win a game. So certainly across the board, a weekend for the kickers, showing how important it is and showing how many teams, how much they suffer from not being able to have a Rodrigo Blankenship to rely on. So that moves us on. Uh, I want to talk now about the various conferences, give a little update of where we're at. So the conference that certainly had the worst weekend, even worse than the Pac-12, which is hard to say, was the Big Ten. You had many teams, teams that were highly ranked entering the season, had looked promising so far, suffering losses. You had Wisconsin losing to BYU. You had Illinois suffering its loss to South Florida. Northwestern lost to Akron. Maryland lost to Temple. Nebraska lost to. <clears throat> Nebraska lost. Purdue lost to Northwestern, and Rutgers lost to Kansas. Kansas now went, has won back to back games. Uh, obviously, Rutgers still suffering from the vestiges of the credit card fraud scandal that resulted in eight players being criminally charged, a couple of players leaving the programs but just a really bad week for the Big Ten. Already, the Big Ten West has not looked great. It was pretty much Wisconsin and everybody else, but with Wisconsin losing to BYU, now the entire Big Ten's hopes appear to be on Ohio State. I know I've seen people say, well, what about Penn State? Yes, Penn State's offense has looked better in the last few weeks, but that defense still is a concern for me, and Ohio State has so many weapons They're going to get Urban Meyer back, which I think is going to provide them a jolt of life that they need to stay focused. And I think you're just going to see the Buckeyes run away with it. Certainly an uphill road now for Wisconsin. They probably have to win out, go undefeated, win the big 10 championship game by a substantial margin to legitimize their candidacy. However, depending on how BYU season ends up, that loss could be nullified a little bit. BYU remember started their season off by upsetting Arizona, and really providing the first dent in Khalil Tate's Heisman Trophy candidacy. So with that, I do want to focus on BYU for a moment. The Cougars don't necessarily get the love that they deserve, given that they are not in a conference. They're an independent school, and unlike Notre Dame, they just don't have the same reach. BYU, member coming out into the season was 4-9 last year. They fired one of their only Heisman Trophy winners in Ty Detmer, who was their offensive coordinator last season. They're currently sitting at two and one with a big win over Arizona an even bigger win over Wisconsin and barely losing to a Cal team, which is certainly surprising people. And they also play Washington in a few weeks. So if you're the Pac-12 now, you certainly have to be concerned about what the Cougars might be able to do to your conference's hopes. If I'm Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, I'm certainly penciling in that game. So that moves us on to the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma Played Iowa State this weekend in Ames, Iowa. Certainly looking for revenge following Iowa State upsetting them last season. Kyler Murray continues to look awesome. Definitely very impressive. I like what I'm seeing from him. He appears to be gaining confidence every week. I would say he could possibly be a hair faster than Baker Mayfield. And these Sooners are rolling right now. Texas then again had a huge win over a USC team which I think many Longhorns fans were concerned about going into the game. This game was never really close. Barring the run by Stephen Carr, the Longhorns look better than they've looked all year. This is the kind of win that I really think Tom Herman was searching for and needed as a program. I also think the Big 12 needed it, and it was just a great performance by the Longhorns. It will be interesting to see where they go from here. I've said all along, I think they can be a fringe sleeper Big 12 championship contender. Remember, the last weekend of the season, Oklahoma has to travel to West Virginia and play the Mountaineers. That game right now is looking like it will be a shootout, which means that anything can happen. And then TCU suffering a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State this last weekend, up 21, excuse me, up 28 to 7 at one point have everything going for them, and then the Buckeyes kind of got it together. Dwayne Haskins certainly continuing to perform better and better each week. He's starting to receive some hype as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Ryan Day certainly wanted to return the team to head coach Urban Meyer undefeated. He's done his job with wins over Oregon State, Rutgers, and TCU. In many ways, this kind of just showed what we've come to expect from Gary Patterson's team. The Horned Frogs are a very good team. They can hang with the best of them, but when all is said and done, the great teams will ultimately end up beating them. But even with this loss, TCU did not disappoint. I don't think there's much more that they could have done. And I really think that this is very similar to last weekend's Clemson-Texas A&M game, where even with the Horned Frogs having suffered a loss, they move forward and they should move up in the rankings. And then... Moving on to the SEC, again, Alabama over Ole Miss. Saban and Co. are rolling. Tua Tagovailoa continues to look better and better. And they appear to have finally put behind the Jalen Hurts controversy. One thing I want to mention here is that Hurts did play in Alabama's game against Ole Miss. That was his third game this weekend against AM. If he plays, that would be his fourth game, which means that if he played in one more game this season, whether it's mop-up duty or to relieve an injured tag of Aloha. It would cost him a year of eligibility. It'll be interesting to see how this storyline continues to play out. I don't know if Hurts or Saban is prepared for that to happen. If Alabama is continuing to blow out teams, he will certainly see mop-up duty, so we should be fun to watch. And then LSU, upsetting Auburn. Ed Orgeron is a coach who I know... Somewhat well, given that he was our interim coach at USC when I attended. He was unable to get that head coaching job, and he entered this year with a lot of uh, question marks, given how unacceptable last season's went for the Tigers, even with them finishing 9-4. and four. Many people were unhappy as they continued to be unable to beat Alabama and challenge for that SEC West. However, so far, the Tigers have had a huge win over Miami, then they had this big win over Auburn. I still don't think that they're able to get the job done against Alabama, but certainly Orgeron's team is looking good. One thing I want to say about Orgeron is he's a very emotional coach, and that's why he's great to have in a game where nobody thinks your team has a shot. He's the guy that can get his players to play above their talent level. But at the same time, also that emotional style I think does end up costing his team a close game or a game where many people expect them to win because not every game can be the game. You have to find new ways to motivate your team each week, new ways to get them fired up, whether it's inside, outside, whatever it may be. It's just very difficult to have the win one for the gift for speech happen every week So I'm also kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when the Tigers suffer that unexpected loss, similar to last season when they lost to Troy team, even with it being a very good Troy team that beat Nebraska this last weekend at home on homecoming weekend. So until I see more from this Tigers team, I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon yet, but I do like what I've seen out of Joe Burrow. Remember, Burrow was the backup at Ohio State. He lost the starting quarterback competition to Dwayne Haskins, then he transferred to LSU. He has not been great, but he's gotten the job done. And at the end of the day, you can't complain about a winner. So congratulations to Coach O. Great to see him continuing to move forward, but I'm not ready to believe in the Tigers just yet. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the Pac-12 coming off last season, especially bull season with that one and eight record, literally had a lot of concerns entering this season. This last weekend did nothing to make people feel better. They finished one and seven and you had Arizona finally being the only team to get a win, but it was over a Southern Utah team that Oregon state had defeated last weekend. ASU obviously lost to SDSU, USC lost to Texas, UCLA suffered another loss and Utah lost to Washington. Colorado right now is the one of the few teams remaining that's undefeated at 3-0. and They had a big win over Nebraska two weeks ago, and as we enter this kind of first quarter of the season, they look like they could be the best team in the Pac-12 South right now. Sure, defensively there are some concerns, but I'm starting to see Lavishka Chenault, their outstanding wide receiver trend on some Heisman Trophy watch list. Some people have even said he may be the best player in the Pac-12 right now. With him and Steven Montez, you have a deadly combination. And with what I've seen about the other Pac-12 teams, they're going to certainly be able to make a run at the South. But the Pac-12 right now, I think, is very much in an identity crisis. When the conference realignments happened, they really were trying to make a run at the SEC. Remember they said, we're even trying to make it the PAC 16 originally. Ultimately that fell through, but the message was clear. We think we already have the beat in basketball and we're going to try and get them in football too. Unfortunately, they have been unable to get the job done so far and they continue to look less and less impressive. Other conferences like the ACC, The Big Ten and the Big 12 are looking better and better. And if I'm Larry Scott right now, I really am thinking, what do I do? How do we change this thing around? Because it does not look like things are getting better. Now, obviously, USC, certainly many might say have underperformed these last two weeks. I disagree. I think we're seeing the Trojan team that realistically we should have expected all along. Many people thought, oh, well, they'll get the quarterback, they have the pieces, the skill players, they'll be good. But if you've watched USC recently, you've seen how bad the offensive line play has been. Even with Toa Lobunen receiving a fifth year of eligibility from the NCAA, I didn't believe in the line progressing that quickly with the line being so inconsistent and with Daniels not having the mobility or pocket awareness that Sam Darnold had the Trojans have struggled you know if you watch JT Daniels high school film he wasn't put in these competition the excuse me in these situations so he's not as familiar with them a lot of times he was taking snaps from the shotgun teams in many ways just try to prevent him from getting a big play against them so there wasn't a lot of <clears throat> blitzes or um excuse me Blitzes or defensive player attacking him. And now Daniels is struggling when he's being seeing this type of pressure. So it'll be interesting to see what Clay Helton does from here. Remember, Clayton signed excuse me, Helton signed a huge five-year extension in the offseason. So I'm not sure that this season will necessarily change his standing with the Trojans. But if the Trojans suffer a disappointing year, it will certainly start the calls for his firing. Now, if you are a Trojans fan, I will say that he has faced these uncertainty before in his first year. When he was the interim coach, he ultimately adapted by bringing back the I-formation and getting back to power running football. The Trojans were able to win the South that year, so all is not lost. But certainly, you start need to be concerned if you're a Trojan fan right now. And then the ACC suffered a number of games had to be canceled because of Hurricane Florence very unfortunate our condolences and prayers go out to anyone affected by the hurricane I see numbers I see the number of estimated damage rising every day hopefully things get back to normal sooner rather than later but but uh, right now with Florida State looking as bad as they have Syracuse certainly a very good team but not going to receive the national attention that I think they will. Miami underperforming. Um, It's certainly a Clemson and then everybody else league. And it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. Miami has looked better in the last few weeks. Malik Rosier had a big weekend, but I think it's hard for people to forget how bad the Hurricanes looked in that opening season game against LSU. So moving on to this weekend's games, First things first, we start things off Friday, USC taking on Wazoo. Definitely I'm expecting a sloppy game here. You have USC coming off a Saturday night primetime showdown on national television where they got absolutely worked by Texas. They were roughed up. They don't have their starting kicker. It's a Friday night game, which traditionally USC has not played well at. Last year when they played on Friday, Washington State was able to upset them. at home in Pullman. However, this season, I think the difference is going to be that that Cougars defense will not be the same without Hercules Mata'afa. He's now in the NFL. And I think USC gets the job done, even if the final score is 10-3. to So I've got the Trojans there in a bit of a rebound, but I'm not expecting much, and I'm not expecting this to be a pretty game. Remember, the Cougars benefited greatly from the transfer of former ECU quarterback Gardner Minshew. He did end up winning the starter job at Mike Leach's system, and with Mike Leach's air raid offense, anything can happen. Also, we want to take a moment to pause when talking about Washington State and give our condolences and prayers to the family of Tyler Helensky. Helensky, many expected him to be the Cougar starting quarterback this season. However, he ended up taking his life in the offseason. Very sad story. There's been a lot of articles on ESPN about what the Helenskis are going through. They've started a foundation, the Helensky Hope Foundation, in the Cougars' opening season. This year, they raised the foundation's flag at the Cougars' stadium. It will be flying there all season. But very sad anytime time we see someone so young lose their life. And certainly, this has been a huge challenge to the Cougars' team and the players' Uh, There's not much more you can say and not much spin you can put on something like this. It's just unfortunate and something that we have to deal with. So, again, I've got the Trojans winning that game, but I'm not expecting it to be pretty. I think we're going to see two teams enter that are relatively banged up, and that's going to result in a low-scoring sloppy affair. So then Saturday, first things first, we've got Michigan and Nebraska. Nebraska right now, 0-2, they had an opportunity to pr- end up either 0-3 or 1-2, and 2, but unfortunately, again, that first season weekend game against Akron was canceled. Right now, Scott Frost team suffering also from the loss of starting quarterback Adrian Martinez. This last weekend, Andrew Bunch filled in for him. Bunch is not a scholarship quarterback. He was a walk-on, and he didn't look great against a decent Troy team. And ultimately, they lost. Michigan, however, has looked better as of late. Shea Patterson appears to be returning to form. I'm not ready necessarily to buy him yet, but I think the Wolverines between their defense and Patterson looking at least better than he did in that opener against Notre Dame get the job done there. Then we've got Minnesota taking on Maryland. Minnesota, so far looking great under P.J. Fleck, even with Zach Anastad, a walk-on quarterback, starting for them. They've gotten the job done so far. They're undefeated against the Maryland team coming off a blowout loss to Temple. I'm taking PJ PJ Fleck's team in this one. I think that we're going to see the Gophers become a legitimate force very soon. I believe in Fleck. You have to remember what he did at Western Michigan, going undefeated there. And I think we're going to see him start to row the boat into the upper echelon of the Big Ten this season. So I've got the Gophers taking that one. Then in a very important matchup, possibly the most pivotal matchup this week, and We have Texas A&M taking on Alabama. That game is at Kyle Field. I'm taking Alabama just because I think at this very moment, they're just a notch above Texas A&M. But I've been very impressed with what Jimbo Fisher has done so far. If you want to know how good of a coach Jimbo Fisher is, look at what he's been able to do at Texas A&M in just a few games there and look at how bad Florida State's looked. I think that's very much validated some of the claims by people in the offseason that Fisher essentially left most of the work to his assistants. It appears that they are wrong and that Fisher is more hands-on than most expected. Kellen Mond has looked great, and I think that with the pieces, and and Trayvon Williams has looked great as well, but with Alabama having the weapons and pieces they've done and that defense, Looking way better than people expected, even with all the injuries and losses they suffered. The tide roll again. However, this will be interesting to watch. Remember, Jimbo Fisher was on Nick Saban's staff previously. He served as his offensive coordinator at LSU. So there's certainly implications here, but also remember that Nick Saban's former assistants don't exactly have a great record against him. So I'm taking the tide, but this could end up being a very close game. Look, remember how bad Clemson looked at Kyle Field a few weeks ago. However, two attack of Loa is just a little bit better than both Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. And I think the tide roll. So that takes us to Florida State taking on Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, while they have a winning record right now, their two wins haven't come against Grant Competition. I think we see FSU get the job done. But if they don't get the job, then then Willie Taggart seriously needs to start re-dusting off his resume. Uh FSU has to finish this season by beating the teams they need to beat left or there will be a problem. Keep in mind, last season they lost DeAndre Francois in the first game against Alabama and were still able to finish bowl eligible. A loss here would certainly put that streak of 35 consecutive bowl appearances in jeopardy. And they still have to go through ACC play and face a number of top teams. So I'm taking the Seminoles, but again, this game could be nastier than expected. Northern Illinois has the 2017 MAC Defensive Player of the Year in Sutton Smith on their roster. Who knows how he factors into this game? Then we've got Baylor taking on Kansas State. Initially, when we entered this season, many people, excuse me, Baylor taking on Kansas, Initially when the season was entered, people thought that Dave BD job was in jeopardy and it certainly did look like that after they suffered an opening season loss to nickel state. But with the emergence and appearance of Puka Williams, the Jayhawks have looked better and better winning their last two games, a road game, and then winning this last weekend, blowing out Rutgers. This is a Rutgers team that entered the season with a lot of hype, but has not performed so far for a number of reasons. However, In Baylor, Bears, they're going to take on a team that I expect to be just slightly better than them. I think Charlie Brewer will have a big game, and I think the Bears get the job done. And then we've got TCU taking on Texas. Very interesting game here in that Texas has underperformed what people expected from them, whereas TCU in many ways has overperformed what people expect. TCU is coming off that game against Ohio State where almost everything went their way and they couldn't shut the door on them. Texas, on the other hand, coming off a big win over USC. Sam Ellinglers looked great. However, the difference that in this game will be the fact that Sean Robinson won't have to deal with arguably the best pass rusher in college football and Nick Bosa going after him. And I think at the end of the day, TCU gets the job done here. However, I think for the big 12 and just for college football across the board, it'd be better to see the Longhorns win, but hard to not pick Gary Patterson's team, you know, they're going to come in motivated, you know, they're going to come in prepared. And I think that their consistency is what gives them the edge over the Longhorns who have certainly waffled, but should be a fun game for everyone in the state of Texas. Then we've got a very interesting matchup between Kentucky and Mississippi State. Kentucky finally was able to end their streak of 31 consecutive losses to Florida. They're undefeated. They're taking on a very good Mississippi State team, which some people have picked to win the SEC West. However, when I look at this game, I think the difference is going to be Kentucky's running game. Benny Snell has looked awesome, and unfortunately... The Bulldogs' offense has been questionable, even with Nick Fitzgerald returning, who many people thought could be a Heisman Trophy candidate this year. I've got to Kentucky winning this game just because I think that at the end of the day, they're going to do just enough to get the job done. This is going to be a home game for them. They should have a better crowd than normal with that win over Florida. They will be undefeated, and this is the type of game that could finally move this program into the next step. Mark Stoops obviously already or Enjoying a historic year, but I think they win this weekend, and I think you're going to see Mississippi State suffer a rough road loss. Many people are excited about Mississippi State following that road win over Kansas State, but if you actually watched that game and didn't focus on the final score, you realized how close it was, and I think in a close game, you have to favor Kentucky's running ability. And then we've got a matchup of first-year head coaches between Florida and Tennessee. Florida definitely searching for answers after that loss to Kentucky that I mentioned. Dan Mullins' team was able to rebound this past weekend. Jeremy Pruitt's team, on the other hand, has certainly continued to struggle. Both coaches are definitely in line for a longer rebuild than many would have expected. I'm picking Florida because I believe in their offense more than I believe in Jerry Guantanamo and Tennessee's defense hasn't exactly been great recently. Whereas Florida's defense, whether it was under Will Muschamp or under Jim McElwain, or currently under Dan Mullen has been able to get the job done. I think Felipe Franks will continue to improve a little bit in his role as emeritus starting quarterback for the Gators. Then a huge, 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 Pac-12 matchup between Stanford and Oregon. Stanford right now may be the Pac-12 shot at being the representative for the conference. Remember, the Cardinals face Notre Dame later in the season. Notre Dame right now is certainly in the playoff picture. That a win over the Irish would have huge implications for the Cardinals playoff bid. And remember, this weekend, Bryce Love, who sat out last weekend's game against UC Davis for the Cardinals, will be back. I think this game comes down to a battle of two quarterbacks, one of them, Justin Herbert for the Ducks, certainly a legitimate NFL prospect. However, KJ Costello has looked better and better every week for the Cardinals. He's gained a lot of confidence in between the combination of Bryce Love and Costello and then the other pieces at wide receiver that the Cardinal have with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And... Bindy Irwin, I think the Cardinals get the job done in what should be a very fun game. And last but not least, we have a matchup between Big Ten opponents, Wisconsin and Iowa, which I think people thought would be bigger going into this week. However, with Wisconsin having suffered that loss, upset loss to BYU last week, and I think we see the Badgers come in with a renewed sense of focus, and they're able to get the job done on the road against the Hawkeyes. So that's it for me today. I will be back tomorrow for Group of Five Wednesday, another bunch of topics to discuss, a number of top fun games as we enter the heart of college football season as teams enter conference play. So thank you very much for listening. I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow and have a great day. Bye.